on the viewpoint. This conversation is going to focus now on the alternative mining in Daba, environmentally and economically sustainable mining economies in an era of climate change catastrophe. That is taking place between the 3rd and the 5th of Feb in Woodstock at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel. And to tell us more about that is Mr. Hassan Logat. He is there in his capacity, of course, organizing of the organization rather called Dismantle Corporate Power, together with Mr. Brown Motsawa, who's the chairperson of the Alternative Mining in Daba. Of course, for those who don't know, it is happening at the ICC this week, the Mining in Daba annual event, all things to do with mining. And I would imagine the tone and context of that discussion or those discussions this time around certainly are somewhat different given the fact that mines are very much affected by the proposed amendment to Section 25 of the Constitution as it pertains to land and land expropriation. Of course, this is not about that traditional mining in Daba. It's about the alternative mining in Daba, and specifically in the context of addressing an environmentally and economically sustainable minerals economy in the era of climate change. They call it a catastrophe. I wonder what it is that is meant, of course, to have that conversation now with us. On the line from Cape Town is Mr. Hassan Logard. Good evening, Hassan. Good evening, and uh, forgive me if my voice crackles because there's load shedding here, and I think that there may be reception issues. Otherwise, I'm quite articulate. We appreciate your time, and your voice sounds absolutely just fine. Talk to us, please, about your organization, Dismantle Corporate Power. And I'm asking that question particularly because we know that the structures of our economy, particularly in the mines, there is a great disparity. And, of course, the power balances there are very skewed towards those who are in management and those who are in management now at times are white, at times are foreign companies, and at times are super rich, and at times do not have any other presence other than the mine itself in the towns and in communities where they draw their operations from. Yeah, I mean, so let me say this to you. The People's Dialogue and the Dismantle Corporate Power Campaign a part of an international movement where benchmarks and other groups are also participating in. And I, I in, in 2018, where there was a people dialogue uh, international meeting in, in Newtown, which uh, was uh, organized under the, uh, the theme, Extractivism is Beyond Mining, where we tried to look at the ideology of extractivism, which pertains to how the earth is treated in agriculture, in mining, in fisheries, the ocean, where, where human greed has taken over the, the, the responsible use of the earth, has taken over from the needs of people to that of the, uh, the needs of profit. So where, where I think people dialogue, and, and until recently I, um, I was working with Benchmark Foundation, I'm not saying I'm not working with them, but currently I'm representing the people's dialogue in this mental corporate power campaign. The critique that People's Dialogue and Dismantled Corporate Power are raising to the AMI is that it looks like after 10 years of existence, the AMI are increasingly giving space in the alternative endeavor to people like Mark Kutifani, the boss of Anglo-American and the big multinational corporations, inside the forum. So symbolically, there's a concern that these forums are no longer people's forums that the chances are that the alternative is becoming more and more weaker to assert a view that those who are marginalized by mining should be continuing to resist 
and share information about how they resist with each other. We had this evening in the continental corporate power uh, uh, meeting an exchange by two Brazilian people. One is a priest, a Franciscan priest. They were telling us how this company, Vale, uh, um, in a period of three years, was responsible for two disasters which collectively killed over 300 people in Brazil. So I think the idea of corporate impunity is the heart of why civil society groups have been opposed to what mining companies are doing and what they say at the official Indaba. That's the motivation why the alternative mining Indaba began. But 10 years, I think, there's a need for serious rethink of sharpening that the edge that it must continue to serve the poor, it must continuously serve those who are marginalized, and not only seek a, a place at the table with the corporations without building up power when you force them to listen to you. So there's a total different perspective mm. how one sees uh, uh, companies talking to you. You can't beg them to be at the table. You've got to organize so they listen to you. Corporate impunity. Can you separate that to political power? Oftentimes, yeah. those in politics and those in corporate particularly state-driven corporations like your minds, where your licenses are dependent on who is in charge politically at the time. Can you separate that corporate impunity to political power? Well, you know, this morning I was here the whole day at the, at the alternative in Java. So we have a debate amongst ourselves. After the confusion imposed by, by uh, uh, intervention by the likes of Marco Tifani and others. So you have people inside our own meeting saying to us, yeah, but the chair you're sitting on is the result of mining. This is the result of mining. You know, that is such a spurious argument. The development of human civilization is not only driven by profits, right? And, and so for us, when we talk about corporate impunity, means that these are the people who could bribe, right, bribe political leaderships for, for even poor regulation to make sure that they are not held accountable. Look at Google. Uh, once they were asked, why are you paying so little taxation in, in Britain? They say, no, the law uh, permits us to pay so little. But what it has done, it put pressure on the politicians. If you do not allow the Senate to be lower for us, we will withdraw. So you have a vicious argument that you can't keep the corporations accountable because it's good for foreign direct investment. You get a very silly argument. The truth is, they are not interested in people's lives. They're looking at profits as their prime motive. And as long as we have that clear demarcation, we should force them to make good. And then the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy, whatever the new name is, clearly do not have the teeth to keep these guys accountable. They just play the same game. In the, having this conversation, I want to bring in Brown now, Mr. Brown Muzao, who's the chairperson of the Alternative Mining Indaba. From what Hassan has said in terms, and I'm just going to stick to one particular theme that I think is very important for the purposes of this conversation, especially when you're talking about mines in this country, corporate impunity. Brown, why was it necessary to have this message delivered on an alternative platform, being the Alternative Mining Indaba, as opposed to having exactly these kinds of conversation in the mainstream one, that being the actual mining in Dawa taking place at the ICC. Uh, good, afternoon, good evening and thank you for inviting me and my apology, I've just got connected a few minutes ago and I'm hoping that my line is pretty clear it because is? Uh, where I am, I'm still in one of the sessions where we are actually drafting a declaration that has to be handed over to 
the Africa Mining in Daba tomorrow. Therefore, uh, I couldn't hear everything that Hassan was saying because I got uh, dropped in uh, in the middle of the conversation and uh, the line on his part in particular is quite clear. Would you be kind enough to just... Uh, uh, just uh, I think the question uh, that I'm really asking is in relation to one of the themes that carried through in his presentation or mm-hmm. c- certainly in his response to my question was we need to, among other things that ought to be tackled, is the corporate impunity by which mining companies continue to operate for the bottom line, which is profit, as opposed to then considering humans, the environment and the human index and the environmental index as developmental, as indicators in the context of responsible mining but for this particular purpose i want you to focus on why corporate impunity couldn't as a concept be tackled at the actual mining in daba itself why was it necessary thus to establish an alternative mining in daba that's a question to you and i'm posing this to you as the chairperson of the alternative mining in daba thank you very much i think now it's quite clear to me uh Listen, I think there are two things that we need to understand. The first thing that we initially did, we need to understand that the alternative mining in Daba for it to be inserted. It was because we realized the civil society, a number of civil society organizations that are working very closely with communities that are affected, impacted by mining, not only affected, but even those that are impacted. And the rationale was quite simple. They were saying, listen, some of us, we don't want mining completely in our, in our own land, and therefore... We don't even want to give them an opportunity. And a good example that I can relate to you will be the one of Tolobeni. And uh, we've made a concerted effort to actually stand with the community of Tolobeni to date. We're still standing with them and we're saying to them, they need to be listened for too. And uh, they have a right to consent either to mining or not to mine in their own land. And at one stage where the, uh, the spokesperson of, of uh, uh, Amadiba Crisis being one of the persons who opened alternative mining in Daba, which indicates that we are sympathetic to the cause of uh, the communities and what the communities have to say. But secondly, we also have communities that are saying, uh, there's mining that is already operating in our own land. That's why. And since they are operating, we have our brothers, our fathers, our sisters who are employed in this uh, uh, mining uh, companies. And if we say we don't want this mining completely in our own land, it means many of us are going to stop because our brothers, our fathers, and our sisters, our mothers sometimes are going to be unemployed. Therefore, what we rather need is to have uh, uh, this mind to be operated differently. First, to be democratized, uh, for the community to be given stake, for the grievances of the community to be heard, for employment to be created, but also for cleaner, if there is such thing, uh, cleaner mining to take place in their own community. The third one is that the community where there hasn't been any mining at all. And this community comes to us and say, listen, uh, our area is earmarked for mining. And as a community, we've looked at the options that are available and we are listening to what the corporations have to say. They are promising us jobs. They are promising us this and that and that. And our work is to go to that community and say, hang on, there are two sides to the coin. Allow us to take you on what we call the topic tour that are oftentimes conducted by organizations such as the Benchmark Foundation. We go and see you there, show them the impact of mining and how does it look once mining is in your land, that your agricultural land will be affected, your normal way of life because of influx of people coming to work in your own area. It will, of course, uh, impact on your life, your roads will start being busy, and, and, and your village, as you know it, because very often it's rural area, they will change the reality as you understand it. And your grave this, sites you, will be affected, if not removed. Yes, correct. Your graves might be affected, they might be removed, at the same time, uh, the, the, uh, your water, as you know it, uh, 
you know, clean water, the running water that you have, if you have surface water, you have rivers and so on, they're going to be affected. Even your atmospheric water can be affected by rain and so on. So understand all these implications that come into your land. And if the community still says, we hear all these things, is there another way or a better way of doing those things? Are there other available technologies or other avenues that can be done? And an example that we often make is that, listen, in Africa, mining has been happening way before industrial mining arrived in, in Africa. And Africans have always mined in a responsible and accountable manner because they were not using large machinery and so on. But since you choose that you want the big machinery, what are the best available advices that we can give you? And what we try and do is to rally the best support from what we think are sympathetic uh, insights from uh, civil society organizations who would say, if mining was to be done differently, this is how it can be done. These are the conditions that you have to put in place before you even give consent to a mining company. And until such time that we get one community that thinks in their own land, they want mining and things are done better, we would not confidently say that uh, uh, the mining corporations, they don't operate with the community. It's quite true. For example, at the moment... No, 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 uh, Brown, I get that. Brown, I I get that. And and I I appreciate sort of the basis upon which you lay claim to why it is important to have alternative mining in Daba. The question then, especially after what background you have offered, isn't this exactly the message that should be taken to the mining bosses who are at the mining indaba, those who are involved in the complete value chain of the mining, those who are involved in issuing the licenses and tasked to monitor and evaluate if whether or not the conditions that attach to a mining license and rights to prospect are actually in fact adhered to. That message, everything you have just said now, surely Mr. Mandasha as minister and the many key stakeholders in that ministry as well as big business who have established footprint in the country, they should be hearing this. Why should they now have to go to an alternative mining in Daba to hear that? I, I think I was getting there. Today, I'm telling you that I was at the, uh, the mining in the Africa mining in Daba. And we went there with specific mandate, and we've, we've had strategic people planted in various sessions. And they were there to actually deliver a message that is coming out clearly from the alternative mining in Daba, from the people's space. Because if you know the history of alternative of mining in Daba, you would know that civil society and communities were excluded from that platform. But through the engagement in the last 10 years, we've managed, I'm not saying, and you, you, I think I need to be understood in context. I am not saying the platform is perfect for, for alternative mining in Daba to engage. I'll yes. give you an example. It's like when somebody can open a window and close the curtains and then say uh, there's a fresh air that is coming in, but the curtains are still closed. So we've managed to open the window. It's not even a door yet. And we are starting to make inroads. What is left now is for us to open the curtains and to get inside. Because today I went there, we had a number of people on different panels of sustainability. If you look at the program of sustainability, you will see a number of civil society people that we've planted inside it. I was one of the delegates who sat on the floor and I spoke from the floor. You look at the lines of questions that you, because we're starting to shift the paradigm. And secondly, maybe just a, a, a little bit of education that I personally to, to impart is that it's not the mining companies that issue licenses, it's the government that mm, issue licenses. Correct. And we are engaging even with government here in South Africa and elsewhere. What you also need, you may want to appreciate, is that alternative mining in Dubai, it might be a platform that takes place in Cape Town, but it's not an annual event. Are you aware there are what you call national alternative mining in Dubai? We have similar events that are happening in Zimbabwe, in, Zambia, in 12 countries in particular in Africa. And those uh, platforms, they are engaging with their own national government. 
So here, the one that we are having in Cape Town, that's a regional interest, an international one, because we have people from all over the world who are starting to be interested in hearing about what we are doing. And at a, a, a regional level, we are starting to advocate not only with the local municipality through the district alternative mining in Dabas, we have provincial alternative mining in Dabas. I'm giving an example here in, in South Africa. Provincial alternative mining in Dabas. We have what we call Sanan, which is South African alternative mining in Dabas. And we have this one, which is a culmination of events that are happening in 12 countries this year as we meet. And, and, and this platform, it is actually used to advocate at Pan-African level to actually ensure that the grievances that come from the national level, they get carried and they get listened to by the, Because the number of governments, believe, believe you me, that attend the Africa Money in Dubai that happen at the International Convention Center. But they would not listen to you if you speak only at South Africa. That's why it's important for us to galvanize all the countries that are organizing, that, that, are, that are impacted and affected by mining in, in, in Africa, and to try and find a way on how we can speak in one voice, so that we don't only speak at a regional or at, at, at Pan-African level, but we also speak with our government at national level. We speak with our government at the provincial level. We also speak with our government I understand. at the district no, and municipal level. I, I do understand. Mr. Brown Mutsawu is the chairperson of the Alternative Mining in Daba in conversation with me, talking to us on the African narrative about the Alternative Mining in Daba taking place in Cape Town between the 3rd and the 5th of Feb in Woodstock, Cape Town at the Double Tree by Hilton Hotel. Of course, he's on the line dialing in from Cape Town together with a colleague of his in this particular the broader space of the alternative mining in Daba, Mr. Hassan Logard, who's on, who's representing the organisation Dismantle Corporate Power. Let's come. Let's let's come back to you, Hassan. Let's talk about corporate power. Let's talk about even sovereign state power in instances where. I'm going to use Democratic Republic of Congo now and some other parts of the continent where we have seen a strong Chinese influence in terms of access to state resources state mineral resources of certain countries in exchange for infrastructure spend. Is that equally, in as much as everything you have said in terms of corporate impunity, among others, is that not a threat to the structure and relationship that Africa has with mining and with other international players from an imperialistic perspective? Should, should Africans not consider China as a threat? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you, you permit me, that so, so we are all part of the alternative mining endeavor. The idea was that we put pressure on the corporations to comply with the needs of the poor and working people in these communities. Mm. So what I've been trying to argue before, that the forum after 10 years looks like it's threading water, right? It is passed in example, the year 2012, the year when Marikana was to happen, because it happened... Uh, these meetings take place in the beginning of the year. They, they, they passed a resolution, for example, we established an international environmental court to address any ecological claims or cases, you know, so to, to put pressure on, 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 on companies, right? It also says that every community and every person must get free, prior, and informed consent from affected mining communities. Stop militarization, social violence persecution, and criminalization of communities affected by mining. My criticism about what we have done is not what we have written down, but the failure to put this before these guys in their meeting to make them concede this. And you can only concede it if you are well organized. Now to come back to the issue of the Chinese, the Chinese companies, the Chinese state-owned companies, right? The problem there is not because they are Chinese is that it's a, a, a state company purporting to be communist, 
doing exactly what other transnational corporations have done. They play the game that they can uh, and care about human rights violations and they are democratic and have a Western civilization. Listen, they are the same. The one is more close, coming with a different organizational culture, but they both work with elites. They tell African governments, listen, we will not question you uh, what you're doing wrong, and we, we can't interfere in your internal affairs. But we build you a road, we build you an airport, we build you a castle. This is no different from the old days, what the colonial, uh, colonialists and others have done. There's a book by John Perkins about the economic hitman, which talks about how these guys actually bribed African leaders before by giving them an airport here, a villa there, you know, building for these guys. This follows that pattern. So I think when we talk about the Chinese, what we have to talk about is that the culture does not conform with the way we've grown up, where we're accustomed to some kind of liberal freedoms, right, which are good freedoms, and I don't diss it for anything. They are very, very important to build a democratic policy. The Chinese are quite opaque. You don't know what they are doing because they work with our leaders. But our leaders are not victims in this. They're not victims. They're not victims under British imperialism. They're not victims under American capitalism. They're not victims. They can stand on the side of the people and say, no, we don't want this. Of course, there are consequences to They may be overthrown, etc., etc. You know, Why is it that uh, in, in Mozambique, sorry, in Angola, the richest woman in Africa mm, uh, mm, mm. was tolerated by Portugal and others. They all, she was investing. They know she was corrupt, right? Oh, her so days the, are numbered, though. Well, there's the, a the new regime internally that put pressure on her. It didn't come from them. So the duplicity is beyond China. All of them are the same. Some are more transparent. When, if they can get away from it, with it, you know, for Drachen, either way, it's emissions. Uh, Ooh, uh, that was bad. You know, so they all, if they can get away with it, then they're fine. Okay. They're not, but, you know, You're essentially addressing point. another China point there, Hassan. Hassan, give me a chance. You're essentially addressing the fact that in order for corporates to be accountable, the first steward in holding them to account before the community, before even themselves from an ethical perspective and their boards, is government itself. The institution that empowers them to be even in practice and i'm coming through to you now brown when you have a situation of a government that understands its mandate as it pertains to mines understands its broader mandate in terms of keeping the economy alive booming and growing and understands the broadest mandate that there are many competing interests in society not least in a stake in terms of the progress of a nation the development of a nation is its environment together with its economy as well as its people from a social perspective what then can you say are the lessons if any that this government has learned since Marigana. Why Marigana? Because you brought it up. And there are so many failures in Marigana. Let's assume we all know them. What have we learned as South Africa from Marigana? Brown. Yes, I think uh, the multiple. that's one of the reasons why we need a multi-pronged approach to try and deal with this issue. An assumption for somebody might be thinking that by going to, to Africa mining in Daba at the ICC, you would actually get the solution. Hence, we establish what I earlier said is the national alternative mining in Daba so that a civil society communities affected and impacted by mining, but also citizens in various countries can talk to their government. 
because our governments are the ones that give licenses for these companies to operate. Therefore, it's absolutely important and necessary for us as civil society to hold our government into check. Because if we don't do that, those are the ones who give licenses. And here's an example. There's a, I don't know if you know of John Reggie, you know, uh, principle that says uh, the, uh, the, the state have a responsibility to protect the communities. And the companies have the responsibility to respect the choice of the communities. And the communities have a right to remedy. Therefore, it's absolutely important to get our states to actually toe the line and understand that they get their mandate from the citizens and they cannot do anything that puts their own state at harm. And, and one of the things that we are doing, that's why we need a multi-pronged approach to try and deal with this issue because it's not a, a, as simple as actually coming to Cape Town and talking to the leaders of industry or, the, or those who own the means of production in Cape Town. We have to first vigorously engage our own governments to ensure that they understand and we take mandate from the people. But we can't do that unless we capacitate our own community. That's why the Enchmark Foundation is what we call community monitoring school, where we capacitate the community on how to hold the officials accountable from the grassroots as a top, using a, a bottom-up type of approach. Mm. Secondly, we have a, an, a, an approach that we are using of developing civil society organizations, what we call community-based organizations, so that they can speak for themselves. Because one of the things that we are trying to do, we are trying our level best to ensure that we don't speak on behalf of the community at the alternative. If you attend the alternative mining, I believe it's one of the few platforms where you'll find communities, civil society, religious leaders, uh, uh, labor, sitting on one platform and all of them engaging one another, including industry, because we do invite industry from time to time to come and engage with us. All so right. The reason why we have civil society, just allow me to finish. The reason why we have uh, communities on our platform is to make sure that we don't speak on their behalf. Because the problem with institutions that say we speak on behalf of the community, it implies that there's someone who's been silenced. If I say I speak on behalf of this community, who am I, who am I silencing? So the idea is to empower this community so that they can get to this platform package, alternative mining, uh, sorry, Africa mining in Daba, like the one that I attended today at ICC West Industry. We have a number of community leaders who are speaking on the platform, not even civil society organizations. Yes, we did have uh, labor speaking. We did have civil society organizations. But we had about three or four community members who were speaking directly from the community, who were speaking with industry. Because sometimes industry is not really keen to talk to the communities where they operate. But when we come to, 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 to Africa Mining in Daba, they are now obligated to speak to the community that the whole time they've been ignoring. That's where the power of unity is. And it's absolutely necessary that we as Africans, not only as South Africans, but Africa, if we want to hold this, our government to account, and to actually ensure that we change the paradigm of how uh, uh, businesses are arranged, we have to unite. Fantastic. No, we appreciate that response from you, Mr. Brown Mutsa. I want to let you go now and attend to the balance of your program. Mr. Brown Mutsa is the chairperson of the Alternative Mining Endeavor. Let's take a quick ad break now before we continue the conversation as we go to the close with Mr. Hassan Logard. He is there at the Alternative Mining Endeavor. On behalf of an activist group called the Organization to Dismantle Corporate Power. And in this context, and I suppose we need to engage the question of Kolobeni because this, in my view, is a Marigana disaster waiting to happen. The relationship between the community, those who are in charge of rural community land, the chiefs, and the relationship that they have with not only the provincial government, but with external stakeholders, in particular in this instance, the potential for mining from Australia and at times even China. Please stay tuned. We continue this conversation after the break. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe Somapete on The Viewpoint.
Mr. Hassan Logart is on the line now calling in or dialing in from Cape Town at the Alternative Mining in Daba. We've had a conversation about what the concept note of the mining in Daba is all about and it's effectively environmentally and economically sustainable mineral economies in an era of climate change catastrophe. Let's then talk about in the context of the competing interests to a mind, Kolobeni presents a wonderful opportunity for this country in a democracy, in a far-flung area that is in desperate need of economic injection, that also has a relationship which is quite unique in the sense that it is land that is in communal trust under a local chief. It has solicited interest from Australia as well as from the Chinese in relation to mining that is taking place there. What then in an ideal world ought to happen so that whatever happens, the greatest good for the greatest number has taken place post the turmoil that is slowly brewing at Kolobeni? Mr. Hassan Logat. Let us be clear that this alternative mining in Java group has over the years, has over the years, passed a number of uh, laudable resolutions. My criticism of us, and particularly those who are hearing it now, is that there's a failure to put organizational power behind those resolutions. So, for example, in part, one of the resolutions in 2012, 2013, and 14, there are questions about people having the right to choose their own development path, right? There's a, uh, in the 2014 declaration, it uh, rails against profits by rent-seeking transnational corporations, and I'm quoting. Yeah. Then it has a section on customary law, which is relevant to this area. It says, we reject the current practice which gives individual and unelected chiefs all the powers over the resources of his or her community. Mm. This is the powder keg, not only Tolobeni. It is throughout where there's a all of a sudden, we are reinventing the new chiefdoms that the British colonialists have done in, in the name of black economic empowerment or whatever else, uh, but not in the interest of people. So, it, it reads further the next section. We further call on governments to mobilize the political world and recognize and use customary law, which will assert the customary laws and entitlements of the community as equal statutory regulations. They will grant communities greater rights than corporations to own and utilize their own natural resources. We trust our government and lawmakers will read into these values of our progressive constitution such community entitlement and anti-racism, anti-sexism, and equal rights for women. I was a part of the writing of this document, taking the submission from various groups. So the point is there, but it's happening not only in Colombia, Every other area, people are contesting. And you hear from, from the, the uh, uh, mental corporate uh, power group that, they, that nothing is safe. The oceans are being mined. Everywhere we're going, people are mining sand, mining salt. At the altar of what? You know? Then you have disasters like Valle in Brazil, where people just die. We have disasters like Maricana, where people have a different point of view, how to resolve issues of wage slavery, and then they get shot. With impunity. That's the impunity. If we can live with them because somehow the corporations will make it good for us. It doesn't work like that. They pollute the air, and who lives next to bad, badly polluted areas? Who lives next to the mine dumps? Right? Uh, uh, Not uh. Santon, are poor people who are largely black. 
No, we accept that. Final comment, and I'm going to ask you to be ultra, ultra, ultra quick, even 20 seconds. Climate change, the context of it in this particular conversation, very briefly, we actually are out of time, but I needed to ask this question. The corporations abuse water resources. They are big polluters of the environment. They will start with them, instead of asking the poor people living by candlelight, really start by keeping the major polluters to account. Pepsi-Cola, Coca-Cola, those are among the biggest polluters uh, using plastic in the world. Right. So clearly, we've got to start where the, the major polluters are. Governments create an amazing environment, and they are weak to control the baby they've created. Fantastic. No, we appreciate your time, Mr. Hassan Logard. We thank you My for pleasure. your work, and we may only wish you well, especially in the advocacy, because the mining question in South Africa is laden. Certainly from a colonial perspective to apartheid South Africa, even democratic South Africa, we have seen consistently throughout we the passages. We continue the same path. Absolutely. Nothing seems to be changing. And perhaps an alternative discussion altogether with a pan-African view. The colors have changed a little bit. The colors have changed a little bit. No. Your thoughts are certainly mine in this particular regard. Thank you so much, Mr. Hassan Logat. We pull out with a voice note, which is not a question, but a comment, really. Let's hear it, please, Bafini. I think it's not only China or the other continents, countries in the other continents that have been exploiting African countries' resources. Other African countries are exploiting resources of other African countries. If you go to the DRC now, you check how many African countries are exploiting the minerals in that country. So is that not another exploitation? Fantastic, fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks to everybody who participated on the show. Terry Oakley-Smith, we appreciate your time. Hassan Logard, as well as Brown Rutzau, as well as the many callers, those who came through, thoroughly appreciate it. Great show, everybody. The Viewpoint with Songazama, Bekta, Lesejo, and Phineas is out. 21.45. It's time for the Daily Soapy.